As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, everybody. This Halloween, we're hosting a virtual live show with our good friends over at Colt Podcast. We're doing a double feature, uh, and it's part of uh, Panic Fest online tricks and treats event. Because of the pandemic, a lot of us aren't able to properly celebrate our favorite time of year. However, now we have an opportunity to have some spooky fun and help us out with some friendly folks in Kansas City. This is more, we're doing a, we're doing a team up as Horror Virgin and Cult Podcast, not romancing the pod, but it's still going to be fun. Yeah, so 25% of each purchase goes to help keep the Screenland Armor, one of our favorite theaters in America, in business. Additionally, we'll be releasing some limited edition merch. And from now until Thursday, October 8th, you can pre-order your own piece of Horror Virgin and Cult Podcast history. Tickets are on sale now for $20 and our shirts are available for $25. However, we're offering a bundle for $40 where you get both. It's going to be so much fun and we can't wait to see you all there. More information is available at cultpodcastshow.com. Remember that these shirts are super limited edition and are only available for pre-order until October 8th. See you all soon. Mmm, ooky spooky. Ooky spooky. I know what love is. I love you. You complete me. I may have never been kissed on Notting Hill, but I found a podcast you get the film. Maybe I'm clueless, but this is good as it gets. Paige, Mikey, and Todd serving the best of my best friend's wedding. Rom-coms, true love, and heavy petting. Be crying on the couch, but we're not forgetting. The most of these flicks are trash. We relive it again. All romance in the podcast. As you wish. I've been doing a lot of things. The thing is, I love you. Looks like love at first sight to me. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Podcast. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And today, Paige made us watch Ever Ever After. After. So, Paige, clearly you've seen this movie before, right? Yes, I saw this movie as a young girl and have watched it pretty much ever since when it's on television. I hadn't seen it really recently. Okay, so honest question. Do you think you were remembering it through like the lens of nostalgia and that's why you liked it so much? No, I liked it equally as much last night. Okay, (laughs) okay. Well, here's the thing. I did notice a few things last night that young me did not notice or care about. Okay. This is not a perfect movie. No. By any stretch. I do find it to be an incredibly enjoyable movie despite that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I liked this movie. This was not the first time I had seen it. I watched it, I think, once in high school because I was quote unquote made to. And I remember uh, really liking it. When I say made to, I wanted to watch it too. But, you know, in high school, yeah. you can't be like, oh, sweet, ever after. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. You had to be like, oh, I guess when the Titans are done playing, we could watch it or whatever. But, like, <laughs> I, I never watched sports. But, yeah, I liked it. I liked it then. I like it now. There are a yeah. lot of things I don't like. Like, the prince is horrible until the last three minutes of the movie. But yeah, I sort of am fine because he's the only person <laughs> with, a, like, an actual story arc. And... I like his story arc. It's good. I think I found watching it now that I remembered his change in attitude to be more gradual than it is actually in the movie. But the one thing I will say is I feel like there are things that I do appreciate about it as an adult. I feel like she pushes him to grow and he shows actual growth through the movie. And I feel like it demonstrates a relationship in which 
he invests in her and her ideas and her passion and furthers them. And so I do think that's great. I think that there's a lot in this movie that you could trim out in favor of a more nuanced storyline for him. Um, And you could probably recut this a little bit different. But overall, I feel like whenever we lose story information like that, we gain some of the funny parts of the movie that people remember forever. So it's it's a tricky trade-off for me with this one. That's fair. But Mikey, have you seen this movie before? I saw this movie on a date that my mom dropped me off for freshman year of high school. You didn't have a car, Mikey? I'm going to car shame <laughs> you, you asshat. I didn't have a license. I did not have a license. Yeah, I know. Neither did I. It wasn't my fault. Uh... Todd is referring to the Blair Witch Project. Thank you. What episode was that? Uh, it was when we were talking about Wreck. Oh, it's the horror version. Oh, my God. I'm on the wrong podcast. I'm it's so sorry. It's our other podcast. I'm so sorry, time. Mikey. Let's go back and do that again since I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. So I my mom dropped me off to meet a date to go see this my freshman year of high school, I believe, or eighth grade. One of those two years. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember not liking it back then and never watching it ever again. <laughs> and I, the date did not go well. Who was that? Who did I take on that date? I can't remember. It was eighth grade, Mikey. What are you gonna call her? I mean, we could. That'd be a good good segment. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I I'm kind of surprised, but also not super surprised because I would argue that this is one of the healthiest relationships we've seen on this. <laughs> wow! This after we <laughs> just did Wimbledon. She don't like. Okay. Because he, here's why. Hear me out. We have a fully realized female character with thoughts and desires independent of her relationships and independent of men. We have a fully realized male character with his own thoughts and feelings outside other people. Who's a douche? Who is a douche but yeah. grows throughout the movie. Well, he grows in the last three minutes really quickly. He grows quickly. in the last three, mo- three minutes All really right. quickly. But, uh, <laughs> we- oh, I walked her right into that one. Yeah, we have a movie where they respect each other's thoughts and opinions and can discuss them in a healthy way. And yes, the society at the time gets in their way. But I would argue that aside from him being a privileged douche, which he does endeavor to change, neither one of them are super bad people. Oh, no, he's a horrible dude. I hated him so much. I actually liked it. Better than when I saw it in ninth grade. Well, that's probably yeah. good. And I, I will say, I think Drew Barrymore is the greatest. And She's amazing, I loved yeah. all the scenes she was in. And I just didn't like the love story part. That's all the scenes she's in, though. Yeah. So what you just said is you didn't like the movie? Well, I mean, kind of. I kind of wish it was more like a story about a, a medieval stepsister who murders her stepmother and sisters and takes oh, over the estate. I'm here with you for that. Yeah. Like, there's a there is a potential horror movie version of this that I am here for. I just think that's because Angelica Houston's so good in this movie. She is really good in this. Did she murder the dad? No. No, he has a heart attack. All right, all right, all right. Well, let's just get into the fucking movie. because we. No, got... I think okay. she murdered him. No, Mikey, no. no. Hashtag follow the money. No, Mikey, no. Let's, he let's get into the movie. We gotta, he doesn't we gotta leave her money. Anyway, okay, okay. That's the whole point of the movie is she doesn't have the money. I know. Mikey, did you watch the movie? She page? left him the estate. She owns the whole estate. She she can't own the estate because she's a woman. 
He leaves her nothing. She gets to live there and has to pay to live there. Who's she paying? The king. The king owns that estate. That's why she's selling servants. That's why it's a huge deal for the prince to set them free. Uh, hey, can we just get into this fucking movie? <laughs> Look, I'm learning about feudal France right now. Stop. This isn't feudal France. It's the 16th century. Okay, anyway, okay. we'll get into it. Oh, man. Da Vinci's alive right now. This is out of the dark ages, my friend. Welcome yeah. to Family Feudal. <laughs> <laughs> sorry why do i remember family feuds like that's i weird. don't know right, sorry so we open on a carriage pulling up to a large estate oh, two yeah. men get out and we reveal that they are the brothers grim and they're there to meet with a fancy old lady the fancy old lady's a queen excuse you we don't know that oh we may not know it yet but they call her your majesty when they talk to her i don't think they call her your majesty i think they call her something else do they yeah, i think i think she's like your majesty's step niece she is the queen but she is the great granddaughter or maybe just granddaughter of cinderella no i i was under the impression that she was royal but not not ruling because they they call her your grace is what they call her oh do they so they meet with a fancy old lady who is tangentially royal at the least let's put it that way yeah did anyone else think it was drew barrymore as an old lady okay no joke i wrote in my notes this lady's old lady drew barrymore that's, that's <laughs> what i thought <laughs> and she and she wants to set the record straight so yeah i did think that i would say maybe the first time i saw this i thought that i did not think that this time well i mean yeah not this time because you had seen it i hadn't seen it in probably 20 years so i was on yeah. board for this being old lady drew barrymore the only reason i did not think that is because there's a clear shift in generations like this is easily 200 years later if not more oh yeah i mean you can tell because the style of the coach yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> that was a herringbone coach <laughs> those weren't developed until the 1830s yeah like they're dressed completely different oh, like, like, this is ridiculous I am this movie is mainly about clothes. This is mainly about clothes. Oh, it's yes. elementary, my dear Todd. Her buttons are ivory. No, their entire <laughs> outfits are different. And literally, this movie is mainly just going from one outfit to the next with Doug Ray Scott in between. Yeah, Todd, she answered her cell phone while she talked to the Brothers Grimm. <laughs> that would be awesome. If it's the brothers from Supernatural that walk in. Oh, Supernatural. It's like, oh, oh, wait, never mind is that a dodge charger my bad yeah. turns out cinderella is a demon i don't know <laughs> and immortal yeah. so so brothers grim they walk in they're like yo i got your email <laughs> <laughs> wait what year is the brothers grim it's the 18th century so yeah. they're in the 1700s so they go in they're talking to the fancy old lady who is tangentially royal of some sort right and she says you're probably wondering why someone my age would request an audience with you and she says that their stories are brilliant but i was really disturbed by the one about the little cinder girl and they say some claim the shoe was made of fur others of glass that's their only line in this scene um, <laughs> and also it's a glass slipper you idiot you wrote the story fur who fur uh, first off fur slippers are the best it's okay. It's not a house shoe, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that you think that Cinderella may have run from the ball and left a house shoe. <laughs> 
Oh my god! <laughs> and then the prince picks it up and he's like, "Someone's been sweating in this, watching reruns of Law and Order for weeks." <laughs> gung gung. <laughs> she ran away from the ball in Uggs. <laughs> I'm looking for. I'm looking for an apple bottom girl. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, boots many. <laughs> I was going to say, to be fair, if you met a girl named Danielle, there's a strong chance she's an Uggs. (laughs) And she is talking about pumpkin spice lattes. There's nothing wrong with pumpkin spice. Man, I had a cold brew yesterday. It was amazing. This magical coach tastes great. (laughs) We've got to move on. So she shows them the the slipper. It's glass. And she reveals that she is Cinderella's great granddaughter. Yeah. And she would like to set the record straight. And she starts out the story with once upon a time, there lived a young girl who loved her father very, very much. And we cut to a different carriage, which is clearly 200 years older. (laughs) (laughs) I am no carriage expert. I apologize. You know this because the carriage is moving from their feet underneath it. (laughs) Flintstone style (laughs) anyway Danielle is getting ready with the house servants they're helping to get her dressed and this is basically this whole scene is an exposition dump where we find out that Danielle's father is a single parent has been raising her he's bringing home a baroness who has two daughters of her own and Danielle although she's not very quote unquote ladylike she seems very excited she wants her new family to like her and this at this point in the movie, we're about three minutes in, passes the Bechdel test. Yes. Because her speaking to her servants is like, I want the family to like me. Do you think the little girls will like me? Uh, but I also think it's really funny in this scene that they're like, I can't believe he raised a child on his own with a full staff. <laughs> it, it must have been so difficult for him to raise a child with three servants. Yeah, for him to raise a child when he's gone most of the time and they raise the child, that must be really, really hard for him. Yeah, it was so difficult. I tried the best I could. (laughs) So at this point, uh, we see some rocks hit the window. She looks outside. It's her friend Gustav. She tells him not today. And he says, you look like a girl. And she's like, I am a girl. Yeah. But today you look it. And she basically says, boy or girl, I can still whoop you. And she runs off to play with her friend Gustav. Meanwhile, her father arrives at the carriage. This is also where we first meet one of their servants, Maurice, who factors into the plot a little bit later. Yep. And it's clear that Maurice and her father have a really good relationship. And he kind of trusts Maurice with the house and Maurice is in charge. Oh, Maurice. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> also known as the gangster of love. Uh, so they stop the carriage. The first daughter comes out of the carriage. I believe this is Marguerite and then Jacqueline. And then the Baroness who is Angelica Houston in all of her scenes stealing glory. She is so good. She runs this movie. She is so good in it. This woman is evil like the fruits of the devil, like evil. (laughs) So Danielle comes running up. She's covered in mud. And her father is still happy to see her. He doesn't care that her dress is messed up. He's like... He's the most French-looking Frenchman that's ever French. That's <laughs> ever a, French? He's a literal baguette in a hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. I like that the dad is super loving of his daughter. Doesn't yes. care that she's sort of tomboyish. And I also yep. love that, like, when she, she looks a little muddy, he's like, what happened to you? She goes, 
Gustav is worse. And then it cuts to Gustav yeah. and he's like completely mud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like she painted him with it. Yeah, yes. like clearly like she won that mud fight or whatever they were doing that made them they get that mud. Yeah, they definitely have like a Ned Stark, I uh, kind of relationship. Aria, vibe. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly and this is this is going to come up later in the movie, but I love that Gustav and her are just really good friends. And Gustav never plays the oh, uh, I, I've been friend zoned or whatever. Like that never came no, up. No, they are just friends. Exactly. And it's yeah. not that mm-hmm. Gustav is gay or whatever. It's just he's a good guy. Yeah, I definitely. Like that. Yeah, it's okay to have a guy who's a friend. That, I, I like it. I think it's a good positive relationship. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good positive relationships in this movie in general. Yeah, I mean, if you're not the prince, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we cut to later that night where her father's tucking her into bed and he's bought her Thomas More's Utopia, which is like not for an eight-year-old, but... No. And he even says it. He's like, this might be a bit thick for an eight-year-old. I was like, it's also just difficult to understand for an eight-year-old. Or an adult. Who reads? Sorry. (laughs) It's also like a little kid's size version of Thomas More's Utopia. It's like... It's like one of those little New Testaments. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They clearly have a good relationship. They clearly love each other. He's fostering her education. He cares about her as a person. It's great. He's talk. She's talking to him about the other girls at, uh, she says, did you see the way they ate their supper? It was perfect. Like a dance. And then he tells her he has to go away again in the morning and they rock, paper, scissors for how long he'll go, which like, don't you wish that's how business trips worked? (laughs) I know, right? The thing is, he only needed to be gone for two days. He just didn't want to be around them. He opens negotiations with like, I'll be gone for two months. Yeah. I got to go see the other mistress. Like I brought this one home, but there's another one at Avignon and I got to go. What I thought was very funny about this scene is when they're talking and she negotiates him down to just being gone for a week. He's Mm -hmm. like, well, I got to go to bed. And she goes, oh, yeah, you're a husband now. And I was like, that's a weird thing for an eight year old girl to say to her dad. Like, that's not appropriate. Yeah, I don't think she meant it that way, but like, (laughs) it's a strange line. Yeah, I did not like it. So the next morning. He's putting on his gloves and he's kind of flexing his hand and holding his arm, which is some serious arm shadowing. Oh, yeah. He gets on his horse, more hand shadowing, and he starts to ride away and everyone is lined up outside to say goodbye. And she says, wait, it's tradition. He always waves at the gate and her stepmother's just like, fuck that shit. (laughs) Like, I'm going inside. Fuck that shit, I'm out. But yeah, Morticia just starts to walk back inside. Because then, she murdered him. No, Mikey, no. no. She didn't There's no him. way she murdered him. Listen, hang on, Mikey, focus, focus. <laughs> so he rides to the gate, and instead of turning around, he one-ups himself and dies. So he falls off the horse, and then they run out to him, and Morticia runs out there, and they're both, yeah. like, o- above him, and he chooses to say, I love you and goodbye to the daughter, which Morticia yes. Adams does not like. And she is saying, you can't leave me here. Yeah. I don't think she wanted to be left in that situation. I think she was acting because she straight up murdered him. That is an insane take. Time out. A, that's an insane take. But B, he falls off the horse and falls to the ground. And then we have the first Contra Zoom I had ever seen on film, (laughs) which is very cool looking for a movie that doesn't do a ton cinematography wise, except for just like really cool wide shots. Yeah. Uh, It's a pretty cool trick. And then she runs out. They turn him over. He turns to Danielle and with his dying breath tells her that he loves her, not talking to the Baroness. And he is dead. 
Now, at this point, we have to basically examine the reality of what this means within the story and within historically at the time. So she married him because she was already a widow. And as a woman at this time, she could not own property. She could not own houses. She did not even have her own money. Everything she owned at that point would have either reverted to the king or her new husband. And so by him dying, that's why she's saying, you cannot leave me here. She is now stuck in the country on this farm because she cannot go anywhere else unless she manages to marry someone else, which is a long shot for her because she's already got two older daughters and now his stepdaughter, which would be her ward. And now she is stuck at this farm. Her only hope is to survive at the farm based on what's there because now she is essentially a baroness responsible for maintaining that land but it is owned by the king so this really screws up her life essentially so i don't think she killed him it's in her best interest not to kill him and also the movie makes it clear she didn't kill him yeah that's true (laughs) if she hadn't killed him and if he had lived she would have been much richer yeah. The entire movie. So I, I was Googling uh, internet theories on Angelica Houston murdered the dad. Literally no one thinks that. <laughs> Google returned zero results. <laughs> <laughs> now, the voiceover comes in and says it would be another 10 years before another man would enter her life, a man who was still a boy in many ways. Yep. And at this point, we cut to the palace where the king and queen of France are mad because their son won't marry his betrothed, who is the Infanta Maria of Spain. Okay, Infanta Maria sounds like she's a little too young to get married, so does that mean something different? That's their name for, like, a princess. Okay, good. If you get super into historical fiction, it comes up a lot. I guess we actually do see her later in the movie, and she's not an infant, so I guess we're fine. No, yeah, she's of marrying age. Yeah. Well, you can tell by the carriage that that scene was 18 years later. It's 10 years later. They just said in the voiceover. Did you watch this movie, Mikey? (laughs) Wow. That's really mean, you guys. (laughs) So as they're walking down the hallway to his chambers, he is climbing out of the castle tower. Like with his bedding, like in like the trope escaping from the castle tower. Like Yes. And his father says, if I can't sleep, neither shall he. And he walks into a room with what is clearly a completely empty made up bed yeah. and <laughs> shouts at it as if he's in the bed, which is really where he's just like, Henry, get up. And I'm like, it's clearly empty, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Not only is it empty, the bedding is stripped and it is tied like as an anchor down out, out the, window. the window you not yeah. only know he's not in bed you know how he got out of bed yeah and how he got away and he just says not again which means that this has happened a lot yeah they should have learned the multiple times he's done this before <laughs> put bars on the windows <laughs> yeah we cut back to the farm where danielle now 10 years older which means she's about 18 or 19 in this movie allegedly Uh, We cut to her asleep in the hearth, now dressed as a servant. She's dirty and she has fallen asleep reading the book her father gave her. Yeah, Utopia. And this the reason she's asleep in the hearth is because it would have been the warmest place in the house and she does not have a bed. So, yeah, that made sense. She wakes up with the dawn and heads out to start her chores. She slops the pigs and then she goes to pick apples. As she's doing so, she hears a procession of horses ride by. 
She carries the apples up and around the house to find someone stealing one of their horses. And then she proceeds to nail him with apples multiple times. Yeah. If this was a <laughs> carnival game, she wins. She pitches a no hitter against his face. Yeah. Yes. She would have been drafted for sure if the carriages were a little bit more modern. It wasn't the carriages. It was their clothes, Mikey. The carriages <laughs> don't change all that much. I like that page. just gets more mad than I used the carriages. <laughs> it's the one thing that's not that different. He falls off the horse and stands up. It's the prince. And she says, I did not see you. And he says, your aim would suggest otherwise. And she says, and for that, I know I must die. I know. <laughs> I thought that was insane. Anyway, and then he says, then speak not of this and I'll be lenient. Yeah, speak of this to no one and I shall be lenient. I hate rich people <laughs> so much. I wrote this in my notes. I hate rich people and I wrote it many times. But I mean, that here's the thing. This movie also hates rich people. That's like kind of the point of the movie. Yeah, I mean, sure. I just hate him so much in this movie. He's definitely <laughs> insufferable in the beginning, and she doesn't like him either. And I think he's meant to be. I think this is on purpose. Yeah, no, same. I agree. I just don't like his haircut. Oh, see, I, I'm, I'm here for it. I had that haircut. Oh, I, I know you did. My, my husband kind of has that haircut right now. Honestly, and he's dreamy AF. <laughs> <laughs> but then he gives her like 20 florins or gilder or whatever. Right. She offers him. She says, we have other horses younger if you wish, because we find out that that's her father's horse. Right. Which horses don't live all that long. I was surprised that her father's horse would still be around. But I think that's why she's offering him younger horses. He says, I only want to be free of my gilded cage, which is his thesis statement for the movie where he's just like fuck growing up rich this is boring and I don't like it and I don't have the freedom to do what I want and I do appreciate that throughout this movie multiple people are just like you're rich which gives you privilege which means you can change things that others can't and you have an obligation to do so and then he's like fuck you no and then in the last three minutes he's like oh yeah yeah, yeah I will my bad well he does propose that university I get that's true that's about 20 minutes from the end you're right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so they space it out a little bit um <laughs> a little bit so he pays her a pile of gold coins and she runs back to the farmhouse where her stepsisters and her stepmother are having breakfast and this is where I also like that he had like a black eye like in the middle of his face from the apples yeah that was pretty funny i honestly didn't notice that but that is oh, awesome. it stays around it stays around it's, like the next like 30 minutes yeah it stays around for a couple scenes where it's clear that she nailed him right in the forehead <laughs> and he's got some bruising there yeah awesome so marguerite uh her sister is seated at the table and this is where she screams i wanted four minute eggs not four one minute eggs and where in god's name is our bread which is like this is not a Denny's. I know. Like, this is insane. Um, but I mean, Marguerite is the spoiled sister. I want to say she's the more spoiled of the two. I'd say the yes. other one is also spoiled, but she, I like her. She's great. Well, we're clearly made to understand and literally from this scene. So yeah. like from this scene on in the movie, we realize that A, the stepmother and Marguerite are close and Jacqueline is just in their way. They don't like her. I feel like it's because Marguerite is the quote pretty one and yes. Jacqueline is the quote like ugly one. She's not ugly. Well, she's the fat one. That that is the thing in this which she's not. No, not at all. She's not fat at all. I know. I I also like that body shaming in this movie is portrayed as a trait of the evil people. Yeah, <laughs> Where that's it's true. just like you're a dick if you do this. <laughs> so And you are. I have a really important question. 
I'm sure that's true. Well, okay, so Marguerite, the blonde one, the meaner stepsister. Yeah. Yes. Did she want one egg cooked for four minutes or four eggs cooked for one minute? She wanted multiple eggs cooked for four minutes, not four eggs cooked for one minute. Well, right. that's an honest mistake, I think. <laughs> I do, too. And, and it, well, and I think that's the, what that line is meant because for years, I did not understand it. And I was like, would four minute eggs and four one minute eggs be the same? And it wasn't until I started making soft boiled eggs that I was like, they are not the same. But she didn't specify how many she wanted for four minute eggs. What's what's a difference between a one minute egg and a four minute egg? Because you cook it literally three minutes longer if it's a four minute egg. Yeah. So a one minute egg is very, very, very runny on the inside and almost dangerous to eat at that point. I don't think okay. they would have cared at the time. I think people probably ate one minute eggs all the time. <laughs> Modern day, we're like, Salmonella's a bitch. Uh, so. And the, back then they're like, witchcraft, burn her. They're like, why am I pooping myself to death? <laughs> this does predate the witch trials. So well, I, I mean, I knew because of the carriages. <laughs> this is also, there's a bit of an issue in this where they're like, we're sending people to the Americas and there was no Americas. So. Yeah, you're right, because when it, it's like 1600s, right? This would be in the 1500s, right? Because they said the 16th century. I have specific years oh, that this nice. took place. Uh-huh. Uh, it's very likely that this movie takes place between the ages of 1532 and 1543. And Amerigo Vespucci did discover America in 1501. That's true, he did. So they could be calling it the Americas. It's unlikely. They would more likely be sending people to the Indies. That makes sense, yeah. So her sisters are a nightmare, but Jacqueline seems like she's all right. They're yelling for why isn't there salt on that table? So they're yelling for Danielle. She comes in. Danielle asks, you know, maybe if we brought Maurice back, I would not offend you so because we find out that Maurice has been sold to pay her taxes. Right. Her being Angelica Houston, like the the stepmom. Yeah, exactly. And this is also the first time Angelica Houston says this like I've sheltered you and clothed you and all I ask is that you help me here without complaint which is insane that she's just like keeping her as a slave basically you should thank me for treating you as a slave stepdaughter yes <laughs> insane we cut back to the forest and the prince is riding through the trail and he happens upon a caravan being robbed he also sees that he's being pursued by a group of riders from the palace an old man yells at him and basically stops him to go after the painting He goes after it, knowing that he will likely forfeit his his chances of escape. He gets nailed in the head by the painting also. So he's (laughs) he's been concussed twice today. And it shows in the remainder of the movie. (laughs) I think that's why it takes until like almost the very end of the movie to be like, oh, wait, I should just marry her. Who cares about what social class she's from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to shake off the fog of concussion, Mikey. He overtakes the man with the painting and jumps on his horse. The horse throws them. They run down into a ravine. They trip and fall off a cliff into a lake. But he's got the painting. And the other, I guess the other guy died. Yeah, maybe. He never gets out of the water. I so. mean, honestly, some people back then could not swim. He may have just drowned. I, I was like, I was like, that other guy is straight up dead. He murdered he that guy. Dunzo. No, I mean, he didn't murder that guy. That guy was a thief who like was trying to fight over the painting. That guy died of his own volition. Uh, was he a thief or was he starving in this like <laughs> classist What are you, society? Drew Barrymoring me right now? Calm down. <laughs> but I don't think that they had watertight seals before uh, whatever time period yeah, this I takes think, place in. I think the painting would have been destroyed. So that Mona Lisa is donezo. We cut right. to the market where the Baroness and Marguerite are picking out brooches to draw attention 
And the jeweler says that anything larger will make her fall over. Which, no, it was tiny. Like, the, the thing they had on her chest, I'm just going to say that. She gets a much bigger one later, I which know, is kind of funny. That, even that isn't huge. It's not, like, going to yeah. pull her over. I think he was talking about style. I mean, the, the second one is very gaudy. It's very John Gaudy. up in one of the rooms above the market danielle is trying on clothes with gustav who is painting a noblewoman so she's wearing the noblewoman's clothes yeah and she's going to pretend to be a courtier to try and get maurice released and gustav tells her they'll never buy it because you're too sweet and this is where we find out how danielle feels about the baroness where she basically says she ignores the manor, she blames us for her debt, and then she still pretends to have money to burn. So this is kind of how we get a picture of how things have been running for the last 10 years. Yeah. And he tells her that if you're going to be a noblewoman, you have to play the part. And she reminds him, I am just a servant in a nice dress. Because her plan is to take the money the prince gave her to go buy Maurice. Yes. yes. Really, Mikey, to pay the stepmother's debt so that they will release Maurice. I apologize for the rhyme, but it still holds up. Yes, Uh, so they will release the gangster of love. He's been in prison for being too much of a love gangster. Okay, but let's talk about, (laughs) what year is this, 1530? Somewhere between 1532 and 1543. Look, Maurice is no spring chicken. I believe this is a poor investment. (laughs) It's not an investment. They're releasing their friend and the husband (laughs) of one of the other housemaids. Yeah, but you're talking 20 globe Florence. You could like leave that place and move away. No, she can't. She is a woman in the 1500s. She cannot do much of anything. (laughs) Arguably, she does more in this movie than literally any woman at the time. (laughs) This just makes me sad. Here's the thing. I think these scenes are in the movie to demonstrate the difference between Danielle and by extension her father's relationship with the people that work in their house versus the Baroness. Yeah. Where... To Danielle, these people are her family. She is buying back her family, and that's why it's so important. So we cut back to the caravan where Prince Henry has brought the painting back, and the guard, the castle guard, has caught up, and he basically, the head of the castle guard just says, you promised. (laughs) (laughs) Promised you wouldn't run away again. Uh, And he says, I thought I'd see the world before I gave up my life for God and country. And we reveal that the painting he has just saved is the Mona Lisa. Yeah. And that the man who asked him to save it is Leonardo da Vinci. Da Vinci. (laughs) Da Vinci. (laughs) I have da Vinci so much in my notes because I was just like da Vinci watching it. (laughs) No one's going to get that joke, though. It's one of the biggest videos on TikTok right now. Oh, my God. So if you're under 13, you're going to get this joke. (laughs) There you go. Da Vinci. Actually, he's my favorite character in this movie. Yeah. He's so fun. I like him a lot in this movie. So we go back to the manor where the prince is now returning the horse and the baroness meets him outside. Uh, She's surprised that he's coming back. And he just said, oh, I borrowed your horse and I scared one of your servants. And she says, oh, she is mute. And he says, well, she spoke quite forcefully. (laughs) Yeah. And this is where Marguerite and Jacqueline tumble out. And he tells Marguerite that it's a stunning brooch, prompting Jacqueline to shove a feather 
down the front of her dress. <laughs> but Jacqueline was just trying to also have something that made her stand out. So she had the feather in her hair. Yes. And of course, the prince didn't notice that because it wasn't in her boobs. In her cleavage. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so she takes the feather and shoves it in there. I thought that that was very funny. And the actress does an amazing job like selling the bit. I think yes. she, I don't know her name. I've seen her in a lot of stuff, and I, I think she's great. She kills it in this yeah. movie. I love her so much. This is also where he tells him that there are several new developments with regard to Spain, which hints that maybe he might not be marrying the princess of Spain. Right. We cut back to court where Drew Barrymore's character, Danielle, has uh, showed up as a courtier. She's got her 20 gold francs, and she tries to buy Maurice back. She's told that he's bought and paid for to a man named Cartier, who is essentially establishing mining and resource farming in the quote-unquote new world. He's based on a real person. Yeah, and he's oh, going to cool. be more or less going to America, and he'll probably die on the voyage over because he's old. In response to basically them being saying, like, he's bought and paid for, she argues that people shouldn't be property at all. And she's yelling with the guy who owns or who's taking him to his owner. Yeah. And the prince intervenes because a man was raising his voice to a lady. And he basically asks Danielle, like, what's going on? And she quotes Thomas More. And she says, if you suffer your people to be ill-educated and their manners corrupted from infancy and then punish them for those crimes to which their first education disposed them, what else is to be concluded, sire, but that you first make thieves and then punish them? And the fact that he does not recognize her is insane. Yeah, because she literally <laughs> brained him with an apple this morning. This <laughs> She dodgeballed him with apples this morning. If you can dodge an apple, you can dodge a ball. He has <laughs> a concussion, everyone, okay? <laughs> I mean, Mikey, yeah, you are right. You very are possible. Yeah. Very, very he possible. He fell into the water. I mean, he's had a rough day. He has had a rough day. So the prince allows her to take Maurice and they release him and she has Maurice prepare the horses which is just basically like run off I'll meet you later we have to walk home so Da Vinci notices her shoes so I think Da Vinci automatically knows what's up I think he's known most of the movie yeah she had poor shoes on she had fur shoes she had those apple bottom shoes full of <laughs> apples to throw at princes the prince follows her and he's like have we met and she's just like apples I mean no <laughs> he says I thought I knew every courtier and she's like well I'm visiting a cousin which cousin the only one I have I honestly liked that little exchange I thought it was really cute oh because yeah. she is clearly trying not to tell him her name is very cute I like their witty banter throughout the film so he basically says, you refuse to tell me your name uh, and I will track you down because anyone who can quote Thomas More is worth the effort. And they start talking about Utopia. Yeah. And he basically says, like, ah, it was fine, but I don't like reading about poor people. So it's a real downer to read about the world around me. He likes novels. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, my God, Mikey. He calls it the everyday rustic. <laughs> God, I hate rich people so much. So she leaves him with the name Comtesse Nicole de Lancre, which we find out later is her mother's name. Right. The queen interrupts them. Danielle immediately leaves to go back to the manor and she brings Maurice back and they have like a family hug. Yeah. Where it's like, our family's back together. And it makes me cry every time. <laughs> oh, Paige, you cried. Mm -hmm. I had some questions about which one of those women he was married to because he kissed both of them on the lips and they both <laughs> seemed cool with it. I was like, oh, I didn't realize they were Mormon. So it's the older woman. 
They're both old. I don't know what you're saying. One of them is significantly older than the other one. You could tell by her carriage. (laughs) Paige is so mad. I love it. The one wearing a hat is younger. They're both wearing a hat. No, one of them is wearing a veil and the other is wearing a hat. What is a hat if not a very firm veil? One of them is wearing a structured hat and is considerably younger. A hat from structure? (laughs) Paige is so mad at us right now. I suspect that she is their daughter. Really? What? Yes. That's a hot take. She's in her late 40s, early 50s, and Maurice and his wife seem to be in their 70s. 70s or 80s. That's what I was going to say. That could be. And then kissing him on the mouth if he thought he was going to be dead. I mean, I'll forgive that. No. Yeah, I I suspected it's either a daughter or some sort of sister or relative, or if, because we know that they have been servants in the house at least since Danielle was a child, if not longer— these could be people that have lived and worked together for 20 years. Yeah, so you know they all hooked up. That was not what I was implying. Oh, that is not, that's a weird take, Mikey. I, if you work together long enough, you hook up with everybody. Oh my God, Mikey, I am so surprised you're still employed. <laughs> the point I was trying to make was when people are enslaved or indentured servants families are often broken up that's why she sold maurice and they form new family units with the people that they are in proximity to so in my mind maybe she's their daughter but even if she's not they are essentially family i get that i mean to try not to reveal too much I live in the South and I'm a very progressive person. Some of my family suck. I don't talk to them. So I have yeah. friends that are now my family because they yeah. hold actual values. I feel like you two are part of my family. Oh, oh my thank God. You. I look at you like a brother. I mean, a brother oh. that I hate with a passion, but a brother. If you mention carriages one more time, <laughs> I'm kicking you out of the family. <laughs> I've never made Paige angry and now I don't know if I can stop. <laughs> So we cut back to <laughs> the castle where the prince is now grounded because he won't marry the Spanish princess. And he has a very interesting conversation with his parents about it where they basically are like, hey, you were born to a privileged life and now you have obligations because of that. And in this sense, they're basically talking about the arranged marriage and you know the good of the country, which I would say it's arguable if monarchies should be a thing at all. They definitely should not be. Yeah. Yeah. He counters back with arranged marriage never made anyone in this room very happy. Oh, that's a sick burn on your parents, bro. That's a double burn because that's a burn that their marriage sucks. And it's a burn of y'all never made me happy because y'all are bad parents. That's a double burn. Damn, I didn't think about it like that. That's like a seven layer burrito burn. There's a lot lot going on there. I like it. Uh, And his father. Father says you will marry her or I will strike at you in any way I can and he says hot oil or the rack and then he replies with I will simply deny you the crown and live forever, forever. I, lo- I loved his response because he was like cool because I don't want to be king I would love it if my dad lived forever deal yeah De- deal and he turns to the queen and says he's your son which is great which is uh- also true but you know step up dad Yeah, we cut back to the manor where Danielle comes home and the Baroness 
freaks the fuck out because the prince came home this morning and returned the horse and she didn't say anything. And so she feels like they were caught off guard. Yeah. But she thinks that he and Marguerite had quite an interlude. In all fairness, she's right. He is super into Marguerite on some level. She's not bad looking. She's oh, not. Mikey, you always choose the wrong person. I know. <laughs> I'm like mean as hell and blonde. All right. Oh, you have a weird type. So at this point, Maurice comes back and the Baroness is like, the fuck are you doing here? And he tells her that he's worked off my debts and I could come home. So he basically is like, oh, they're not your debts. They're mine. Right. She essentially doesn't believe that she has debts. Crazy. I hate rich people so much. We cut to the palace where the prince is talking to the queen and we find out that he has kind of a nice relationship with his mom, which is very sweet, where he does feel comfortable talking to her about this stuff. He's asking her about Contest Nicole de Lancray yeah. and that he, she doesn't know him. And then his father comes up and basically is like, hey, since Senor da Vinci is here, we're going to have a ball. Find love before the ball and you'll announce your engagement or I will announce it for you. And his mother says, choose wisely. Divorce is only something they do in England, which is how I was able to place this movie between 1532 and 1543. <laughs> it's a Henry VIII burn. It's it's we're going to get into some serious Henry VIII shit later. But well, yes. it would also have to come after Thomas More. And Thomas More died in like the 1530s, I think. Dude, Thomas More did a lot in his you know time alive. He did. So he, Thomas More is alive and had written Utopia prior to 1532. Yeah. Because I kind of want to get into all this after because there's a lot of stuff after. All right. Well, let, then let's table it. And yeah. We'll come back to it because I table. like. Thomas More a lot. <sighs> Mikey's like, I fucking hate history. <laughs> I heard that exhale, Mikey. You guys are great. You guys are great. I love you guys. It's, I mean, it's going to be like fancy war history, war and fucking bitches history. Oh, well, yeah. I wish that this was the movie. <laughs> At this point, we find out that the engagement with Spain is canceled. And he has to find a bride before the night of the ball. This is where the Baroness gets the information from a messenger who becomes her informant throughout the movie. I didn't think the arranged marriage was canceled. I thought the dad or the king was giving him the option of yes, finding yeah. someone to be with. And if you do it before the ball, I will then cancel the arranged marriage. Yes, but I think... Everyone knew about the arranged marriage, and so the idea that there's even a potential for it not to be that is part of that announcement. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, well, we see Angelica has spies in the, the palace, yeah. right, through th that guard. That would be how the word got out about that. I had no problem with everyone already knowing, you know? So the stepmother has spies, essentially, in the palace, one of them being, uh, I believe he's a herald or a messenger, but he looks like he's part of the palace guard, potentially. Yeah, he wears their uniforms, at least. Yeah. So she wants him to find out who the competition is and the other information and where the prince is going to be. He tells her that the prince is playing tennis against the Marquis de Limoges tomorrow. And she basically promises him sexual favors if Marguerite gets to be queen. <laughs> he was also getting paid money, too, so it's like a win-win. It is a win-win. Sex with a side of money. Call it what you want. 20 francs is 20 francs. <laughs> I did it for the gold pieces, Mikey. Yeah. I'll give you 4,000 francs for this week and buy you whatever dresses you want because I'm a robot <laughs> Richard Gere from the 1800s. <laughs> How does this carriage work? 
<laughs> My first carriage was a limousine. So we cut out to the field where Danielle and the other servant, the one that is probably a daughter, they are harvesting honeycomb from really cool looking old hives. I was like, I'm a weird, I have bee interests and I thought it was cool. I have bee interests <laughs> is something no one has ever said ever. I like bees and to drink honey. <laughs> I need my combs. <laughs> I know. It just made it sound like you invested at a young age in bees and you've been reaping the dividends like Winnie the Pooh. So I don't know if you guys know, but bees are endangered. They are. So when my sister got her first house with a yard, she looked into getting a couple apiaries to have bees. I was like, oh, you could do that. And it's been my dream ever since, but I don't have a yard. And I just constantly watch beekeeping videos on YouTube. It's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is quite the page episode. Yeah. Thank you. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did a carriage bring you here? Uh, so we, <laughs> we got to go back, Marty. <laughs> We've got to get this carriage up to 88 kilometers per hour because it's France. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's true. That's Kelong, yeah. So we find out that she used her mother's name. This is where we actually find out it's her mother's oh, name. Oh, yeah. And that she's kind of annoyed by the prince, but she keeps talking about him. Well, yeah, he's rich and good looking. Yeah, I get it. She says at this point, the penalty for being wealthy is you have to live with the rich. Oh! She says that he and Marguerite deserve each other. And the servant says, the only throne I want Marguerite sitting on is the one I have to clean every day. <laughs> Meaning the shitter. Yeah, I love that so much. So we cut back into the manor where they're all picking dresses for the ball and they tell Jacqueline if she can't breathe, she can't eat. So they're going to lace her tighter, which is horrifying. It's insane. She is a very slender woman as it is. She is. She, I would say she's an average sized woman, but yeah. like, so they aren't finding anything they want in their like trunk of dresses. So they decide to raid Danielle's dowry for Marguerite to wear. And Jacqueline says, well, maybe she'll want to wear it because it was invited to the ladies of the house, which would include her. Yeah. And the stepmother's like, well, no one would notice if she's not there. So fuck it. And then Danielle <laughs> walks in on them yeah. and is like, why are you touching my mother's dress? And they were like, oh, because we're all going to a ball with you. You are invited now because you walked in on us. Right. And she's like, oh, I don't know what to say. That'd be great. And this is where her mom does the most gaslighty bullshit thing in this movie where she says, it hurts me that you don't feel like one of my daughters. Ugh. And I'm like, you treat her like a slave. What the fuck? Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. Jacqueline is clearly like, you guys are fucking bullshit and leaves. Yeah. She's like, what's wrong with Jacqueline? And Marguerite goes, oh, she doesn't want you to go, which is just like the worst. Marguerite's. Yeah evil i mean they're both evil uh, the mom and marguerite oh yeah 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 i think sometimes in this movie it tries to claim that like the mom is evil and orchestrating it and i'm like no 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 no. marguerite also evil. oh no marguerite's super evil so we cut to da vinci and the prince by the lake talking about essentially the nature of soulmates and I kind of like this because he's like, well, what if you find the person for you? But then that person is struck by lightning. And then you find another person. <laughs> it was just a crazy hypothetical question. Yes. This is also where we see that Da Vinci wants to test out his boat shoes by walking on water. <laughs> yeah. 
We cut two further into the forest where Danielle is gathering truffles. This is all, this is how they do it. That's how yeah. they really do it. Mm-hmm. Mikey, very truffle excited right now. Truffles are delicious, man. Okay. Yeah. So she's gathering truffles, but she's got dirty hands because you have to dig them out of the ground, yeah. basically. She decides to go swimming. Now, this is something that I do have a problem with in this movie because I feel like this is very serendipitous because she goes swimming and happens to be swimming in the same lake where they're testing out the boat shoes. Now, when you say serendipitous, do you mean in the literal sense or it's a lot like the movie Serendipity with John Cusack? Because that's a movie we're going to have to do. I love that movie. So do I. I mean in the literal sense. Okay, okay. I did think it was pretty kind of lazy writing there when the movie's been so complex no i agree yeah guys it's all of france there's only one lake well they're not even in paris like i don't even know why the royal family's there they're probably close to versailles that's actually true i do think just because she walks to the castle she walks to the marketplace like there's a lot of ground covered and not a lot of time that i think in order for this movie to work at all she must be in the countryside just outside of the palace which versailles wasn't built yet So it's wherever the palace was previous to that. Paris is one of their palaces, but it seems to not be the like main one because at one point they say we'll spend Christmases in Paris. Yeah. Uh, So Da Vinci walks out to her with the boat shoes and just says, looks like rain. And she (laughs) freaks out. (laughs) They fall into the water. The prince comes to help. He recognizes her. They all sit by the river and talk. And she basically says that she gave her servants the day off. And this is where she's kind of arguing with him about his attitude about his privilege. Well, yeah, because he said servants. Why would you give your servants the day off? Yeah, they're servants. That's what they do is what he says at one point. Oh, I hate rich people. (laughs) She basically says... You own all the land and you take no pride in it and you have everything, but you take no joy. You mock people who would find joy in life. And he's kind of like bemused and confused by her. He's like, that's funny, but also true and hurtful. Yeah. So at this point, we hear Jacqueline calling for her and she decides to run back to the manor where we find out the candlesticks and one of their paintings upstairs are missing. And the Baroness is going to garnish their wages until they're returned. I actually was really happy to hear this on some level because then I realized, oh, I guess she does sort of pay them sometimes. Well, their wages are part of their ability to stay on the manor. So it's stuff like you get less food. Oh, God. That just got real dark real quick. So we do also find out at the dinner table that the prince released all of the men that were imprisoned with Maurice that day. And that day, he's like, I can't be that bad of a dude because I let Maurice go. And she goes, yeah, because I was talking about him. But there's like... A truck full, maybe not a truck, sorry. Yeah, There's it was a, a truck. Charge full it was a truck. Of- <laughs> it was a 1925. It's a Dodge Charger with a spoiler on it, and they're all riding on the back. <laughs> no, it was definitely a 1563 Cerny that uh, had bars to accommodate prisoners. I'm so sorry. We Listen, I Googled way. carriages throughout the ages. I'm going to work it in. Well, 1563 is 20 years after this movie occurred, so try oh, again. Everyone in this movie. <laughs> But yes. But anyway, so she she says, but you pay no attention to the other slaves or whatever in that carriage page. 
And he's yeah. like, oh, I guess I'll let them all go. Well, now what she also says is now by his royal decree, any man who sails must be compensated, meaning they have to pay anyone who sails for them. Yeah. So I would argue this is his first quote unquote step towards change in the movie, although I think he only does it for her, not yeah. because he believes it. Yeah. Uh, then we sit through tennis again. And this is my favorite part of the movie. Oh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> the only way this would be better is if there was a boring white girl with no character traits. <laughs> he, he, she does. She appears behind him and gives him his ball back. Yeah, that's Marguerite. You're looking for Marguerite. <laughs> uh, he falls into the gallery and he comes out with tons of handkerchiefs in his vest. Like he goes long for a ball. I and- thought that was so funny. I think they called them favors back in the day Paige. they were favors back in the day Nailed it. he comes out with favors and marguerite is standing inside the court so she's which like, is weird right yes it is weird i think she had to bribe someone to get there i think that's part of the bribery that her mom is doing yeah so she has the ball and he says you're looking well marguerite and she says you're welcome to look and then he just kind of takes the ball and goes away. <laughs> He's like, oh, that was real creepy. <laughs> like, good to see you. <laughs> He's like, hey, Mark, Marquis, that, that girl's real thirsty. <laughs> yeah. Someone get her some water. Uh, so- <laughs> but he then gets her some chocolate in the next scene. Yeah, in just a couple scenes. So we cut to the marketplace and Riff Raff has entered the chat. Hell yeah, Riff Yes. Raff. So uh, I, Richard O'Brien, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the man who plays Riff Raff in Rocky Horror Picture Show. And also, if I remember correctly, wrote it. He did write Rocky Horror Picture Show, yes. Yeah. I love Rocky Horror, man. Oh, my God. I thought you were talking about the rapper Riff Raff, and I was so <laughs> confused. <laughs> That's why his teeth are bad. <laughs> so he hits on Danielle, and he's a total creep. Oh, this is Pepe Le Douche. It is Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, it's Pepe yeah, Le yeah, Pew. Yeah. <laughs> Monsieur Le Pew. They even stylize him like he's a skunk. He's like got black leather yeah. clothing. Yeah. He's a creepy dude. And he, I thought he was a pretty well-formed creepy dude character. Yeah. Well, and he does say, he says, I may be twice your age, but I'm well endowed. Yeah. As evidenced <laughs> by my estate. Like he lets it sit there for a second. He literally <laughs> like gave it a pause for a little winky blinky action and then said, <laughs> oh, by the size of my estate. And he basically tells them I'm not going to buy anything this week because you wouldn't be nice to me. You wouldn't marry me? I felt like it was a very weird time to not buy something. You wouldn't put out on top of this pile of prunes, you bitch. You prude. (laughs) (laughs) At the same time, her stepmother and sisters are in the market. And this is where he feeds Marguerite chocolate. But he kind of like offers her chocolate and she just kind of goes like, "Uh." (laughs) Paige, Paige, don't do that. Page. <laughs> she just kind of like opens her mouth and he like reluctantly feeds her chocolate. <laughs> so they refuse to give Jacqueline any chocolate. I know, right? I know. And he's like, I don't know what this shit is. It's like chocolate. The Spanish keeps sending it to me. Tastes good though. Honestly, it's probably dark chocolate. So who yeah, cares? It's probably pure cacao. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> cacao. Yeah. Cacao sounds like someone's giving me finger guns. I'm out. 
Cacao. Exactly. I hate it. Cacao. <laughs> so Danielle has to hide. She accidentally throws a chicken at the prince. <laughs> I thought that was really funny because he clearly sees her and then yeah. she throws the chicken to like distract. I guess that's like the feudal smoke bomb, right? Yeah. That <laughs> she escapes. <laughs> <laughs> so and he says, weren't there, weren't there three of you? And she's like, just the two of us and the chicken. Yeah. He couldn't peck her out. <laughs> Not out of a lineup, no. <laughs> the amount of times that he does not recognize her in this movie, even though they've spent extended amount of times together, is crazy. Yeah, at this point, they had spent a day together. This is the part of this movie where I'm like, like as an adult, I'm like, he should know her face by now. Yeah. He's honestly concussed. He's still? Yeah. He's still concussed? Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> From falling into the gallery. Yeah. Every time he doesn't recognize her, he has had a head injury. <laughs> this is what it is, guys. This is head injury cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Back at the manor, the Baroness is already planning for the engagement. She plays as if it's a sure thing. And this is where she tells uh, Danielle that as a child, she washed her face 20 times a day. Don't do that. That's not good for your skin. Yeah. And she goes into this whole like pity you never knew your mother. There must be part of you in her and you somewhere. And then she says, You've got so much of your father in you. Your features are so masculine. <laughs> and she's talking to Drew Barrymore, who is yeah. a very pretty, like feminine woman. But then she follows it up with, No wonder you're built for hard labor. <laughs> <laughs> and then Danielle asks her, Did you love my father? And she uh. says, I barely knew him. Now go away. Which I think at least she was being honest, but it's yeah. really hard to hear, you know? Yeah. So we cut to Gustav and Danielle are in the field. Gustav is painting. And is really good. Yes. Danielle is flying a kite in the field. And like blown away by it. Like it's a new yeah. thing, which it probably was. Well, I think it's Da Vinci's kite. It is Da Vinci's kite. Yeah. Now, I do also think that this is kind of interesting because she kind of lays out what her plan is, where she's like, yeah, let the prince marry Marguerite and let me stay with the manor. Yeah. Basically, let me run this house. And he's like, oh, well, the prince is headed this way, so you should probably prepare to tell him that. So <laughs> she hides behind a hay bale. The kite flies away. Gustav says he got it from the Countess. And the prince is like, I have to find her. She's staying with her cousin. Gustav is like, oh, yeah, it's the Baroness. Yeah. And now Danielle has to run back to her house. And she basically quickly gets dressed. She does spend this whole movie sprinting around. She yes. does. But we have to talk about this because she runs back to the house. He's on a freaking horse. She beats him. She not only beats him, Paige. Yes. She has time to change. She I meets know. him at the door walking out. Yes. He's got a head injury. He got lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do like that as he rides past Gustav's painting, he's just like, nice painting. <laughs> it is. Going. It's solid, man. She manages to make it and get dressed. And we do cut away to her servants who clearly helped her get dressed. Yeah. Uh, and she's wearing the blue dress that Marguerite decided not to wear earlier in the movie. He meets her at the door and says, do you not attend church? And she basically says, like, nah, that's for squares, yo. Yeah, nah, dog. 
Uh, and he basically is like, well, I'm headed for the monastery. Do you want to come with me? They have a huge library. And she's like, okay. So she's like, hell yeah, I'm horny for books. Yes. Give me that sweet, <laughs> sweet, hard cover. So Ooh, that's a girthy oh. book you got. How many chapters is that? <laughs> Hashtag girth books. Girth books. Girth books. <laughs> so they leave to go to the monastery. Meanwhile, a messenger meets her stepmother at church and gives her a parcel, telling her that the prince left early this morning and no one knows where he went or who he was with. We cut back to the monastery where they're visiting this huge library and she tells the prince about her father and how Utopia was the last book he brought home and she says that I'd rather hear my father's voice again than any sound in the whole world. Yeah. Aww. So sad. Yeah, and the prince is basically like, you care about so much stuff. I hate everything because I'm a and rich And I hate douche. everything, yeah. And I think this I is I where- like this scene, Todd. He was like, it must be so exhausting to care so much about everything. <laughs> and I feel the same way. But this is a real Christian Grey moment, Mikey, because he says all this and then just leaves. Like, he starts to leave. <laughs> Well, he's like, I gotta go. Well, vulnerability's <laughs> like that, Todd. <laughs> you know. I think this is part of the movie where he's starting to see that the problem is not with the world. The problem was with him. If oh, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he's like, the world is not terrible and meaningless. I am seeing it that way. Right. Because this person does not see it that way. And he does tell her that in all my years of study, no one has demonstrated the passion and conviction that you have. And he's, it's admirable. He basically, he enjoys that she cares about things. Then we cut back to right outside the church after church where the queen is getting into her carriage. Yeah. And Marguerite <laughs> runs up to the carriage with the parcel that her mother received from the messenger earlier. And there is a necklace in it. And she says the queen dropped it. And the queen is like, I don't even remember putting it on. Thank you. Your mother and I should have a chat tomorrow. But that necklace is clearly stolen. It is. And also the queen is fully wearing another necklace. Like she yeah. already has another necklace on. I don't think queens like blinged up like 50 cents. They did. My mistake. Well, just I only know from the paintings, but like she could have, she could have been wearing more. I think it's unlikely because it doesn't match any of the other stuff that she has on. Sure, it, but I mean, we already know it wasn't on it's her. Stolen, they stole yeah. It. yeah, right. So we cut back to the woods where they're traveling away from the monastery, and their carriage has broken. So the prince and Danielle decide to walk on. Then we cut back to the manor where they reveal that the Baroness and Marguerite have tea with the queen the next day. But the prince wasn't in church and we need to know why. And more stuff is missing. And this is where they basically make Jacqueline run errands for them. And she says, the next thing you know, I'll be cleaning the fireplace with Danielle. Well, and they're making her do all this <laughs> stuff because Danielle's on a date. With the prince. Yeah, Danielle right. is nowhere to be found. Yeah. So she's like new Danielle. Uh, we cut back into the forest where they are now lost and she has climbed up basically a cliff face to see <laughs> where the palace is from where they are. Yeah. As she's climbing back down, they are surrounded by robbers. Gypsies. Well, it calls them gypsies. I would call them Romani people. Yeah, the Romani people. I'll say this in defense of the movie. It's not a correct word now to say. And back then it didn't quite have the connotation it does now. Although I say that knowing that it was probably offensive then. It just wasn't something people paid attention to, even though they should have. But I would say historically they probably would have been called gypsies. 
But yeah. yes, they are the Romani people. And the prince sword fights them Kumite style. For some reason, only one of them attacks him at once. <laughs> they also steal her dress. Yeah. And she tackles the leader. She jumps out of the tree onto the leader. Yeah. And they're outmanned. She demands her dress back and a horse. And they say, you can have anything you can carry. And she was like, promise? And he was like, sure. And then she carries the prince. And they're like, well, that's funny. Come back. We'll give you a horse. <laughs> we'll give you a horse. But then in the next time we see them together... She doesn't get her dress back. I know. And they're yeah. fully hanging out with the Romani people who just tried to kill them. I don't think yeah. they were really trying to kill them. Because like, everybody's laughing while they're like, I think yeah. they're just kind of stealing from them and making fun of them. Yeah. Well, and we do find out <laughs> later that they get to go to the ball. <laughs> yeah. He invites them to the ball. When she picked them up, they're like, all right, just come have a drink. I mean, listen, I am on board for two cultures coming together and figuring it out. <laughs> I just think it's weird to have done that over a sword fight, but that's because, fine. Well, they could have they could have actually killed the prince if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah they, which all they, they had to they do did. was attack him with more than one person at yeah. a time. <laughs> and this thing you had like the main guy just laughing at everything the whole time, like, yeah. "Oh, you guys, Sunday, oh, you got me." It, but it is sort of played like uh, two frat houses pranking each other, and that to <laughs> yeah. me is funny. What I do think is kind of important about these scenes, they are depicted as outside society. They are, yeah. They are, quote unquote, low class within the world of this movie. Well, and even more so than Cinderella is. Yes. And when they are invited to the ball later, they don't make a huge deal about it in the movie. But I feel like that's another step in the prince kind of growing that we don't spend a lot of time on. But I would agree. Yeah. But fully like invite lower class people around because they are the most fun. Oh, true. So back at the manor, we cut to the Baroness looking out the window, talking to the younger servant. And she says, I want to know the moment she gets home. Yeah. So we cut back to the woods where they're around the fire drinking with the group of robbers. And the prince admits that he has no desire to be king. And this is where Danielle says, but think of all the wonderful things you could do. And he's like, yeah, but no one would see me as who I am just as the king. And she's ah. like, well, you. I'm a whiny little boy. Well, but then she. <laughs> I hate this whiny little bitch so much. She counters with, you see other people as what they are and not who they are. So why should you be afforded that privilege? And also, your status gives you the ability to make changes that will benefit more people and you can be helpful. So you should consider it a gift to be able to help this many people if you use your powers correctly. Yeah, I feel this. Because, see, this is where I'm like, yes, he's annoying and frustrating, but I think this movie endeavors literally every time he's being a whiny bitch boy to tell him he's wrong and why. I know, and he does change, which is a nice fantasy world that this movie creates, but man, yes. I hate everything about him. And this scene, I was like, man, I hate this dude so much. But I will say, by the end of the movie, I'm on board for him. Yeah, you know, yeah. He has the best character arc of anybody in this movie. So they kiss. The robbers are all like, ooh, kiss. I love the robbers, man. That's Me who too. I would be in. Low-class people are the best. Hang out with uh -huh. us. So he takes her home. <laughs> she doesn't want to wake anyone, so she kind of like climbs off before they get to the manor. She's got a cool coat, but she didn't get her dress back. He says, call me Henry, because she says, your highness. He says, call me Henry. They kiss again, and he basically tells her to meet him the next day at a local like 
old ruined castle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to ruin her at those ruins, Mikey. Ruin. That's interesting and is old, which we should also watch. Uh, Hell yeah. He goes back to the castle. He wakes up his parents and his father sleepily as he's waking up just says, off with his head, which is one of my favorites. But he wakes them up and he says, I want to build a university, a public one, and I want to invite the gypsies to the ball. Is what he says, quote, and they just say, who are you and what have you done with our son? (laughs) So the next morning, Danielle wakes up. The stepmother is like, where were you? She says, I got lost. She's like, I don't believe you. I want to know what you're hiding. Then Marguerite screams, what about our breakfast? She's like, make your own breakfast. Shut up. Leave me alone. (laughs) I love this. You have two hands. Make it yourself. Yeah. And they turn and they say, Jacqueline, boil water. (laughs) (laughs) so she's out in the field doing her chores and one of the servants tells her to come back into the house quickly and it's because they're trying on her mother's dress again and her stepmother says did you honestly think i'd let you go anywhere after this morning's display and they get into like a screaming match and she says these are my mothers and marguerite says yes and she's dead so she punches Marguerite. I fully said yes when she got punched in the face. I was so happy. And she does a tumble, man. It's a good hit. Yeah. They chase through the house. Marguerite grabs her father's copy of Utopia, and she's mm. holding it over the fire and basically is like, give me the shoes. And her stepmother basically says, it's your father's book or your mother's shoes. So she gives up the shoes and Marguerite throws the book in the fire anyway. I would have destroyed Marguerite. Not like in a sexual way. I mean, like I would have done things to mess her up mentally. Yeah. Like in a sexual way. <laughs> Mikey, I'm, I'm not into that <laughs> sort of stuff. I don't know what you do. But the sections you go into on Fet Life are very strange to me. I don't get revenge on people. I burn books hard. Uh, so, <laughs> so we cut to Jacqueline helping Danielle and basically putting like bandages on her back because Danielle has been severely whipped. Yeah, we didn't get to see the whipping, but we do see the end result of it. Yeah. Yeah. And from this point on, Jacqueline is awesome. Yes. And Jacqueline says, she just says, She shouldn't have said that about your mother. Yeah. Which is just, oh, so sad. So they cut to Marguerite and her mother are at lunch with the queen and Marguerite has a giant black eye. I loved it. Oh, and of course they lie about what it is, though. She's like, I was saving a baby from a trampling horse or whatever. Yeah, yeah. the queen says, to think you saved that baby from a runaway horse. <laughs> it must have been my maternal instinct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the queen tells him, she's like, well, I was hoping the prince would be here, but he disappeared again. He's been gone all day yesterday and didn't return till dawn. Do you know the Contest de Lancre? And the baroness says, Nicole de Lancre? Because she knows what Danielle's mother's name was. Yeah. And the queen says, oh, I was beginning to think she was a ghost and the baroness says no she's been staying with us actually and marguerite is confused and then she says you like to call her cinderella and marguerite flips the fuck yeah she gets up and loses it she gets off the table walks away five feet and like curses to god in the sky yes it was a bizarre choice and then comes back and says 
There was a bee. <laughs> it turns out that Marguerite is not nearly as much of a fan of bees as Paige is. <laughs> They're useful. They help us grow food. I am very pro-bee and pollinization. I'm just saying that Marguerite's not on board. And that's why she's just even more of a bitch. Yeah. So we cut to the ruins where Danielle makes it there to meet with the prince. And she is in bad shape because she hasn't slept she's been whipped yeah and her father's book burned it's been a rough day it's been a morning yeah yeah m-o-u-r-n-i-n-g <laughs> and she basically tries to tell him who she is at this point but he's like full-on saying like hey i want to be a better person you've inspired me to be a better person but he's so excited about it that yeah. he doesn't let her say anything, more or less. I thought he was yeah. going to shoot a shot, man. I think he, I think he does shoot a he shot. Does. He, more, he does. He more or less says, come to the ball. I want to announce that we're getting married. He doesn't say those words. That's yeah. not the shot that I was talking about. Oh, you thought he was going to lay you down. Fine. <laughs> lay you down. <laughs> I mean, it's a ruined castle. He brought a blanket. Oh, yeah. I'm not kidding. That scene happens in Tristan and his old. <laughs> that is a thing that happens. Don't ruin it. I haven't seen that. Yeah, spoilers. It's not that good, but I like it. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> there are problems with the story, but Rufus Sewell is amazing in it, and it was the first time I ever saw Henry Cavill. Anyway, in the ruins, he kisses her, and he goes to, like, hold her, and she winces in pain because her back is, like, open wounds. Yeah, it's tore up. Yep, and she runs away back to her house where she's confronted by her stepmother. Yeah. She should have told the truth here. Can we all just, we need to pause yes, and be like. agree. The rest of the movie is so dumb because she should have just been like, let me tell you what's up here because I'm also having feelings. Yeah. So she goes home, gets confronted by her stepmother. Her stepmother is basically like, you're deceitful and lying. And she says, what bothers you more that I'm common or that I am competition? Yeah. And this is where we find out that the dress is missing. And Danielle is like, I don't know where it is. And she's like, you tell me where it is. And she's like, I would rather die a thousand deaths than see my mother's dress on that spoiled, selfish cow. And then her stepmother says, I can arrange that. Basically yeah. like, oh, I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so she throws her in the cellar. And remember, it's the day of the ball. The ball is happening that day. I mean, she like literally locks her in the dungeon more or less. Because right. the cellar is in the dungeon. She locks the key. There's no way out. She's like, it's almost like, have you seen Cinderella? It's a lot like Cinderella. <laughs> it is Cinderella. <laughs> oh, wait, what? No, I know. What? Uh, so she threatens the servants. She tells the entire household that they're going to sell anything that can fetch a price to basically buy a new dress for Marguerite. And Jacqueline is basically like, it's only a ball. Why are, like, why are you imprisoning people and selling off the whole house? The Baroness says, you're only going for the food. Which is like the worst. Again, fat shaming someone who is not at all big. Well, yeah, they eat one egg in the morning. This is insane. <laughs> <laughs> and we cut back to the palace where the queen is telling the prince that Nicole de Lancre, the contest, is engaged to a Belgian. And a Belgian? A Belgian. I, lo I love that. I thought that was so funny. Traveling by boat this afternoon, which is insane because there's no way she could have made it to the harbor in time. Uh, you also so don't <laughs> have to get on a boat to go to Belgium from France. Yeah, because they're in France. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she could have walked there. 
It could be faster. I mean, I'm not going to go no, there. I mean, it, it couldn't be faster. It's fully not faster. It yeah. physically could not be faster. You'd have to go to Belgium to get on a boat. Is it Belgium? Okay, so isn't France there and Belgium's like right north connected to it, though? Yes, right? yeah. It, it, share, it shares a border. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so he believes that that's what she was trying to tell him that morning. Yes. And that he didn't listen to her. And now his heart is super broken. And he basically decides that he's going to pick somebody else. Uh, his mother says any choice is better than Spain. So we cut to the marketplace where Maurice is, has met up with Gustave. And he basically is like, you need to go to the prince and tell him the truth so that he can help us save Danielle. And he's like, I can't get to the prince. And he's like, well, go to Da Vinci. And he's like, it's fucking Leonardo da Vinci. What the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, be bold. I did love that scene. It's Duncan from, from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm-hmm. And I love that actor. I think he does such a great job. And he's just like, I can't do it. I'm too old. Go do it, Gustav. Yes. So we cut to the ball and Gustav drops a essentially chamber pot on the messenger who who has been the spy for the Baroness. He fully kills that dude. Yes, that dude is dead. Yeah. I mean, he shows up later, but that dude is no. dead. That is his brother. And he's like, hey, I've, I've been looking for my twin brother because he's <laughs> fully dead. Yeah, oh, fully dead. So we cut to the manor where... Oh, and we should say Gustav puts on his clothes, which yes. Gustav is a wildly different size than this yes. man. And they and fit, and they fit him perfectly. Funny. Yeah, I thought that that was very funny. It's yeah. a one-size-fit-all shirt, dude. I believe they call them tunics, Mikey. Yes. Uh, so we cut back to the manor where the girls are getting into their carriage to go to the ball. And yeah. this is where Jacqueline is like, I wanted to be the peacock. Why don't I just pull the carriage <laughs> while I'm at it? Because they made her dress as a horse. Yeah. Oh, which is so terrible. She, hey, listen, she is the only one of the two sisters that finds love at this ball. So I think she fully made it work for her. She did. Uh, Gustav is looking for Da Vinci and somebody points just in a general direction and so Gustave goes up to a random man and just says Senor Da Vinci and then faints and actual Da Vinci's like yes <laughs> like, <laughs> he like turns around yeah and yeah. right as he starts to like pass out and faint Mikey like runs in and kisses him uh, <laughs> It's a, a throwback joke. I kind of liked that Da Vinci in this movie is kind of like Professor Farnsworth in Futurama. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Where like yeah. every time he shows up, he's just like, good news, everyone. I've got boat <laughs> shoes. That's great. And I fully love that Da Vinci becomes the godmother. I had forgotten yes. that. I love it. So we cut back to the manor where Da Vinci and Gustave arrive and Da Vinci pulls the like hinges out of the door <laughs> yeah, immediately or he, pull, he pulls the pins out of the hinges to open the door and they're yeah. like it's a miracle and he just says i shall go down in history as the man who opened a door <laughs> <laughs> and that is what we remember him for that is what we remember him for <laughs> danielle tells him the truth and he oh. literally becomes her fairy godmother and he basically says if you stay she wins and he deserves to hear the truth from the one he loves. And she says, a bird may love a fish, but where will they live? And I was like, oh, that's horrible writing, but I love it so much. <laughs> so I shall have to make you wings. I totally started to cry. And I like, 
I hate that I started to cry at that moment, but I fully I, cried. I always you cried in this movie? Yes. Oh, my God. So much. It's so good. So much. So they get the dress. We find out that the servants have been hiding the dress the whole time. Of course. So Henry and his father talk before the ball, and this is where the king says, I just wanted to say that this university thing is a good idea, and we don't have to announce anything tonight. I just wanted you to have some direction in your life because it felt like you didn't. And he says, I've made my decision. And she gets in the carriage, or cut back to the manor, she gets in the carriage. Uh, Da Vinci goes to see Gustav's paintings, and they stop because it's tradition to wave at the gate, and she falls off the horse and has a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Paige, I wrote the same joke in my notes. I swear to God, I had that exact same notes. Except mine was, and in keeping with tradition, she dies. She dies. (laughs) Okay, so I did love that she waved. I was like, oh... Yes, it's very, very, very sweet. Yes. We then cut back to the ball where Jacqueline is predictably at the buffet with the head of the castle guard, who is also dressed as a horse. Sometimes you find love at the buffet. And that dude is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He just goes, whoa. And she goes, nay. (laughs) (laughs) And then he just makes amazing horse noises. Yeah. They are the first furries and yes. i am here for that <laughs> actually uh based on the carriages i would say that they are not the first furries. <laughs> he should have made a dressage joke oh and the dress- you mean dressage yeah okay <laughs> I've only read that word. Dressage. So the prince goes to make his announcement and Danielle makes it just in time with beautiful wings. And she just kind of stands there saying, breathe, just breathe. And it's the famous scene from the movie. Yes, Uh, yes, She made it and she's beautiful. You didn't think that it was setting up that he was about to announce that he was going to marry Marguerite? He absolutely was. Oh, okay. I felt like it would have been either Marguerite or he was going to announce that he was going to marry the Spanish Infanta because, like, who cares at that point? Right. Yeah, I I thought it was going to be the Spanish person. And then later on because of that whole... I think the movie makes it seem like that's the right answer, Mike, because we see her later. But I think it could be either, and we do hear a rumor later that it was going to be Marguerite. Yeah. So uh, he runs up to her and he says, my mother said you were getting married, and she says she was misinformed, but I have to tell you something. And he says, I was about to make the worst mistake of my life. And she says, I need to speak with you. And he says, whatever it is, my answer is yes. So they run back down towards the king and queen. And he pauses for a second to just say, the gypsies are here. Which again, his his word, his quote, the Romano people are here. Because, which means he actually invited them, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and he's like proud that they're there. That's yes. Like, that's like his buddies because hanging out with lower class people is awesome because we know how to have the most fun. Well, that's one thing missing in this film is that he has no bros. Yeah, that's true. Well, he does. The head of the Romani peeps is one of his peeps. Well, it is now. Yeah. The head of the guard is also his peep. The one that yeah. is is horsing around with Jacqueline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so as they're walking down the aisle, her stepmother rips the wings off of her dress and or one of her wings off and exposes her. Yeah. And now she has to tell the truth. She basically just says, Nicole DeLongcray was my mother. I am what she says. He flips the fuck out. He's a real big douche just because she wasn't the right quote unquote class. I hate rich people. I think it's way more than that. I don't think it's the class. I think it's being lied to and in front of a lot of people. And I wish he would have said that 
more he folk he was like you're a servant you're a servant yeah. you're a servant yeah if the line was like you lied to me you lied to me well what no the line is first you're engaged and now you're a servant yeah so i do think it is the lying your name is not your name you were engaged but now you're not and now you're a servant i don't know what to think but i feel like i don't even know you well in all fairness they've been on one date he doesn't know her that's true they've been on two dates they went on two dates. mikey you do not get married that fast that's true nope that's usually when it ends so he flips out at her and she runs away past da vinci who's just now arriving back to the party she leaves a shoe da vinci picks it up and he confronts the prince where he basically is like you're out of line you don't know what she went through to get here yeah she was honest with you and you fed her to the wolves and he also says that a life without love is no life at all and she's your match and Henry is stubborn, and he's like, I will not yield. And Da Vinci says, then you don't deserve her. Yeah. So I like that even when he is a douchebag in this movie, the movie itself is like, you're being a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> and he fully is, though. He is a huge douche in this scene. Uh, he leaves the shoe with him. It starts raining. Her wings get ruined, and this dress is also probably ruined. Oh, yeah. They they did make multiples of this dress and just to ruin one in this scene, essentially. Yeah. Okay. What drove me crazy is she is literally sitting on her doorstep in the rain when yeah. she could just open the door and go to bed. That's not how feelings work. <laughs> Here was my thinking, because I had I had the same thought of like, <laughs> bitch, go inside. Yeah. But then I realized all the servants are inside waiting to hear what happened. God damn it, Paige. Now that makes complete sense and I feel like an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I had the same thought as you were. I was like, why isn't she going inside? And then I like thought through what it would be to go inside and I was like, oh, that poor girl. I was just like, oh. I like that's how you two look at it. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, brood in the rain. I got you. That's a Mikey move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next morning we're back at the manor and the Baroness says, I have it on good authority that the prince would have chosen Marguerite essentially is whole, like lording it over her head. She's being a total bitch. Yeah, it's a full-on lie, though. Like, you can't trust anything this woman says. Right. And she does say to Danielle, you are not my problem anymore. And Danielle yeah. says, is that what I am? A problem? Did you love me ever at all? And she just says, how can anyone love a pebble in their shoe? Oh, my God. I hated oh, this. such a good so line. It was such a mean cold. line. Oh. Yes. They walk around to the front of the manor and all of the stuff that's been missing for the whole of the movie is back and Riff Raff is back to slide into those DS. Oh, yes. Bow, 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 bow. He is the worst. <laughs> Pepe LaDouche has come for his things. Pepe LaDouche, I love it. Oh my God, yes. He's like, I have come uh, to bring stuff for your body. Omelette <laughs> du fromage. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> We find out that the Baroness has been essentially loaning and selling all of the things in their house to him in exchange for money. And she's now trading Danielle for all of their stuff back. Yeah. So she's been stealing from the servants because she she was saying the servants were stealing from her. Right. And now she's given away Danielle as sort of a slave, I guess. Yes. As a to slave. Pepe Le Pew. Pepe Le Douche. Yeah. Pepe Le Douche. We cut to da vinci painting the painting that we saw in the beginning of the movie yeah and we then cut to the church where the prince is about to marry the infanta maria of spain and she is crying a lot and it is a hilarious actor's choice <laughs> for the way that she cries 
And I think this is one of the first times in a movie where someone has been just totally sobbing and it's the funniest thing ever. Because she's just like... (laughs) (laughs) It's an amazing cry. She's in this movie for one scene and crushes it steals it milks every she chews on every piece of that scenery yeah and i love that there's a dude in the audience of this wedding who is also super sad who looks like danny devito (laughs) it's love you can't put a thing on it yeah listen (laughs) as a man who is with a woman who was much hotter than i am (laughs) i am glad to see that that is something that has progressed throughout the ages the women going for uglier men (laughs) Prince Henry lets her off the hook. She runs to a man in the crowd. She's kissing him all over. And her parents are arguing. And effectively, it's just like, this is your daughter. She's your daughter. And we (laughs) cut back to Henry's parents who were like, man, I thought we had problems. (laughs) It's just kind of like throwing shade at the other couple. I kind of love it. I I did love it. They were literally just sitting there laughing at the, the Spanish king and queen. So... Henry runs out of the church into Maurice and he asks where Danielle is and finds out that she's been sold to Pierre LaDouche. And he tells him, Jacqueline and the head of the castle guard, tell no one we have spoken. And then we cut to Pierre LaDouche's house where we just hear a voiceover of, enter. (laughs) <laughs> like he's in a haunted house. This honestly, this part of the movie becomes a fully different movie. It's astounding. Yeah, it's very strange. It's a very strange change in tone. It was a very strange <laughs> time is fleeting. <laughs> it was a weird choice that it went this far. Yeah. Madness takes control. Uh, so <laughs> she is shackled. And she's carrying a bag of swords. And he comes over to her and basically is like, I used to have this real stubborn horse once, but I just needed to break it. And I'm going to break you. And tries to kiss her (laughs) tongue first. He's just like, eh. We get it. You said you said try to kiss her. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, everyone it's knows a how a kiss French works. Kiss. Yeah, <laughs> Paige. Everyone knows how it works. <laughs> yeah, 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 That's yeah. Normal. You definitely stick your tongue out and just go for it. Yeah, you do. <laughs> she slices his face with a dagger and then manages to grab another sword. And she tells him that if he moves towards her again, she'll slit him from navel to nose. And she gets him to give her the key to undo her shackles. And she saves herself which i do appreciate that she like there's no damsel in distress she gets out of it that's good but i was like i guess she's a fugitive now she's got to run for the law (laughs) well and the law is straight up coming up the driveway to save her and she walks out and she's like no i'm good dog you want to hook up what you guys doing here (laughs) and he says i came to rescue you and she said me a commoner and he basically says i came to beg for your forgiveness and he says danielle can you forgive me and she's like he said my name and they're just like <laughs> I'm sitting on the couch like <laughs> he learned her name the minimum amount of work that he needed to do he learned yeah. it I put in my notes learn their names yeah <laughs> apparently names are important Mikey I was like okay oh And then he pulls out her shoe out of his pocket where he has mangled it. Like, he clearly sat on that shoe for the whole ride out there. He's on a horse, Paige! Put it in a bag! They have saddle bags. 
Mikey. No, uh, if you look at the carriages, they actually don't have saddlebags. <laughs> he puts the shoe on her, which is super awkward because it has a heel and her other shoe doesn't. So she'd be like climp clomping around the like. That's why he has to pick her up and swing her around to move anywhere. Yes. I did yes. think it was weird that he like got the shoe out at, at all. You, you know? Yeah, he knew whose shoe that was. She doesn't need <laughs> yeah. to wear it now. Also, you don't have to get down like you're proposing marriage to somebody to put someone's shoe on. Yeah, but he's really into feet. <laughs> 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 he's like, let me check out them Quentin Tarantino <laughs> toes. Uh, but he is proposing because he does say, I would feel like a king if you would be my wife. That is true. You're right. That's a good proposal line. It is a good proposal. And so they like swing around and kiss for like a long time as the camera pulls out. And I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) she found true love. And honestly, the thing that no one talks about, though, is Pepe LaDouche is full on dead in his castle right now. (laughs) I had never thought about that that until this time that I watched it. And I was like, oh, she murdered. Oh, she straight (laughs) up murdered him. Yeah. She got forgiveness. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I honestly think if she did kill him, he would have forgiven her and it would have been cool. Yeah, I don't think it would have been a problem. She would have just uh, absorbed that estate. Um, <laughs> he probably would have been like, awesome. We just made ourselves that much richer. Yes. <laughs> Pepe LaDouche looked like evil Mr. Peanut. <laughs> but like BDSM evil Mr. Peanut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We cut we cut back to the wedding because, mind you, this is all happening as the wedding was supposed to be happening and people are dispersing. And the Baroness and Marguerite were at the wedding. They go back to the manor and they say to Jacqueline, I heard he talked to you. What did he say? And Jacqueline says, I think what he said was serves me right for choosing a foreigner over your sister. And then the doorbell rings and they find out that they've been requested for an audience with the king immediately. Yeah. And that they should dress nice. Yeah. The king demanded you arrive in style. And Jacqueline is clearly in on it. But the Baroness and Marguerite dress up. They go to the castle for the audience with the queen and they find out that they are on trial because the queen is like, did you lie to the queen of France? And she's like, I got a little carried away. And they start (laughs) fighting. And the king turns to Jacqueline and says, are they always like this? And she says, worse. Yeah, they get much worse than this. Yeah. And she turns to Jacqueline and says, I would hate to think that you had anything to do with this. And she says, of course not. I'm only here for the food. <laughs> I do That's sort the of sickest love that. Burn yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Sickest. Uh, so we find out that she is to be stripped of her title and shipped to the Americas unless someone will speak for you. And she looks around and just says, there seem to be many people out of town. And clearly <laughs> no one will speak for her because she's awful. And then we hear Drew Barrymore from the back just say, I will speak for her. And everyone bows and Marguerite is confused and bows. And the prince says, Marguerite, I don't think you've had the chance to meet my wife. And she just goes. They had the shortest engagement ever. They got married (laughs) immediately. (laughs) So Danielle just says, I only ask that you show her the same courtesy that she has bestowed upon me. And we cut to a essentially a laundress like fabric dyeing textile factory question mark. Yeah. Where Marguerite and the Baroness are now laundresses. 
And the Baroness is like, I'm management. And Margaret's like, <laughs> you're nobody. We're both nobodies. And they get dumped into a vat of dye. Well, they dump themselves in. Yeah. Right. And we cut back to the painting that Da Vinci has finished that looks remarkably like Drew Barrymore. And it is a real painting that just kind of looks like Drew Barrymore. Which is oh, is it really? Is it a real yeah, Da Vinci? It's a real Da Vinci. I mean, really? not that they didn't use a real Da Vinci on the set, but there is a well, real Da Vinci yeah. painting that looks like that. Yes, that's okay. insane. So Gustave and the servants are there in the castle. So she clearly brought them with her, which is kind of fun. And the prince says it doesn't look anything like her, and she says you're supposed to be charming, and he says we're supposed to live happily ever after, and she says says who, and he says I don't know, and then they kiss, and then we get a voiceover that says. The portrait hung in the university until the revolution. And by then, the story was a fairy tale. And they did live happily ever after. But the point is that they live. And, and that's, that's the movie. movie. Did she say the point is that they live because in the fairy tale they die? No, but they had a life together. They're a real, they're real people. They're not a fairy tale. Okay. Yeah, I was like, oh, they got murdered in the fairy tale? I was like, what happened? I mean, that is the end of a lot of fairy tales. So are you guys ready for some additional history <laughs> yes. tidbit facts? Give me the history buffingtons. All right. So the movie is set in the 16th century with flashbacks from the 19th slash 18th century but it doesn't get any more specific but i think i can get more specific after some research one offhand comment in the movie says that divorce is something that only happens in england if you guys remember correctly yeah. but this movie definitely takes place during the french alliance with spain which means that this movie takes place between 1532 when henry the eighth is granted a divorce from catherine of aragon and marries anne boleyn the following year in 1533 and 1543, when the alliance between Charles V, who was the King of Spain, the Holy Roman Empire, and the Archduke of Austria at the time, and Francis I of France dissolved, leading to Henry VIII mounting an invasion into France. He was on his fifth of sixth marriages at the time. Now, given this information, it's very likely that this film is meant to depict the court of Francis I of France, who turns out was a huge patron of the arts and is credited with initiating the French Renaissance by attracting a lot of Italian artists to work for him, oh. including Leonardo da Vinci, who brought the Mona Lisa with him to the French court. What? What? So this actually happened. Yes. Now, his reign had some important cultural changes because they were essentially an absolute monarchy, but they allowed the spread of humanism and Protestantism to basically spread through the country. And it was the beginning of an exploration in France of the New World. Jacques Cartier was one of the few that claimed lands in, quote, the Americas, which includes essentially the West Indies for France and paved the way for the expansion to the first French colonial empire in Canada and beyond. And because of this, Francis I is credited with the promotion of a standardized French language. He became known as the father and restorer of letters because a lot of people just didn't speak. They weren't literate. And so by basically establishing a common language, more people became literate. Oh, that's awesome. And he did build a university and essentially everything was going cool until he ended up in a war against his great rival, Emperor Charles V the king of spain now in may of 1514 he married his second cousin claude who was the daughter of king louis the 12th 
of France and Duchess Anne of Brittany, and they had seven children together. So that's the arranged marriage is him and his second cousin. Right. Uh, so that's like the king and queen in this movie. In this movie. Yeah. Now, their seven children were Louise, Charlotte, Francis, Henry II, Madeline, Charles, and Charlotte. I heard a name I recognize. Henry II would go on to succeed Francis I as the king of France, but before doing so, he married Catherine de' Medici. Wait, of the Medici family? Yes, of the Medici family. So they were rich as shit. They were rich (laughs) as shit. Yes. Uh, And that's all the information I have. Unless you want to go super into researching the Medici's, that's up to you. Do it on your own, though. And there's a show, I think, on Netflix about the Medici, and it's pretty decent. It was okay. It was originally on Showtime. It was meant to be there like, okay, the Tudors is over. What do we do? And, you know, I would say watch the Tudors instead, personally. Yeah, the Tudors is much better. So the wedding dress from this movie has become one of the most sought after movie replicas for weddings. One of the only, yeah, one of the only movie wedding dresses replicated more is Buttercup's wedding dress from the Princess Bride. That's one we're going to have to do, man. I love that I love Princess Bride. Now, this dress was designed by a woman named Jenny. It's spelled B-Van. It might be Bavant. Uh, but she went on to work on Mad Max Fury Road and like every <laughs> 90s Bronte or Austin adaptation. So like awesome. if you want cool old timey costumes, you call this lady. It contains over 2000 ivory pearl beads that had to be attached by hands. Now, here's what's even crazier. They had originally already designed a dress, but Drew Barrymore didn't like it. And she said, everyone says that she was really sweet about it, but she didn't think the dress was special enough. And so they just used that dress in another place. She wears it somewhere else in the film. But they basically showed up and within a week created that dress. They said it took them about eight days. Wow. Yeah, and it's widely speculated that the blue dress that she wears to the library was the original dress. Uh, Yeah, I was about to ask. I wonder if it was the blue dress. Yeah. And if you want to pay someone for a custom version of this off Etsy, it'll run you anywhere from $2,000, depending on the cost of materials. If you really want to do it up as depicted in the movie, it can cost you closer to $10,000. The original was made with a lot of vintage and rare trims and beads and stones, and it is currently owned by a costume company, so we don't actually know how much it cost, but likely it ran upwards of $10,000 or more. That's crazy. Yeah, isn't that nuts? Yeah, the wings are made of piano wire. Oh, so they can (laughs) kill a person. She could have just garroted margarine and we could have been done with this. <laughs> Honestly, I'm here for that. <laughs> okay, so you guys ready for some box office? Yes. I am. Awesome. All right, so what do you think the budget for this movie was? Big time. Yeah, I think this was expensive. I'm going to say 40 mil. Okay. 27.3. Goddamn, Mikey, it was $26 million. Whoa! <laughs> what? Yes, so close, so close. I am going to say this looks great for 26 million. Yes, I agree. 26 million in the 90s was a lot more than it is now. Yeah. It came out July 31st, 1998, mm-hmm. and it was fifth the weekend it opened. It was beat by Saving Private Ryan, The Parent Trap, <gasps> There's Something About Mary, Oh. The Negotiator. It was fifth that week, and it made $8.5 million. 
99 was a good year for movies, dude. Right? Yeah. This was this was 98, but yeah, 99 was good, Mikey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, it went on to make, do you guys want to guess? 57. I'm going to guess 60. Ooh, Paige coming in close. It was $65.7 million. Yay. So it wanted to make quite a bit of money. I'm sure it made a lot in DVD and Blu-ray sales, although yes. it's not accounted for here. But this is like in the heydays of like Blockbuster and all of that stuff. So they made a boatload on this movie. And it's yeah. great. They should have. I did not see this in theaters. I definitely saw this at someone's house on VHS or whatever. Yeah. Eating pizza and crying into your, you know, yes. Diet Coke or whatever you were drinking. Yeah. De definitely Diet Coke at the time. I started that young. Um, yeah, me too. So this week, Paige, you made us watch Ever, Ever After. After, a Cinderella story, right? Yes. So next week, I thought it might be fun if I made you guys watch the 1999 classic, She's All That. Yes! 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 <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are excited. I don't really remember this movie, but it's got like a lot a really heavy hitters. Is this the one where she does the ponytail and the glasses? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I stone cold loved that movie as a teenager. I have not seen it since 99, so I'm I'm here for it. It yeah, does not hold up. Oh no. It, no, in in the best way in that like viewing it as an adult, you're just like, "Oh no. Why did I like this?" But yeah. it's got like heavy 90s hitters. It's got Freddie Prince Jr., Rachel Lee Cook, Matthew Lillard, Paul Walker. It's got Ursher. It's got Ursher? Yeah, Ursher's in it. Yeah, Ursher's in it. Lil Kim's in it. Mm-hmm. Dulé Hill is in it for my West oh my Wing God. homies. Dulé Hill so is excited. in it. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. So your homework for next week is to get wine drunk <laughs> and watch She's All That. <laughs> Pro tip, you're going to want to get like a rosé, like a real fruity okay. rosé, and get just like a handful of Sour Patch Kids and dump it in the bottom of your glass <laughs> and then drink that while eating a Pizza Hut stuffed crust pizza to get <laughs> the real 90s experience. Oh, yeah. Or if you could find Zima, get Zima drunk. And go get this movie from a blockbuster if you want the full 90s experience. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, I can't wait to eat Pizza Hut, too. <laughs> so, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Uh, yeah. Hold on. I was blown away. Awesome. <laughs> so while you're looking at the review, let me tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast. And that is simply to leave us a five-star text review. We are almost at 100 reviews. So what? I think we're like 15 more. Nice. Oh, my God. Guys, we haven't even been a podcast a month yet. That is amazing. So, guys, leave us a five-star review and get us to 100. And we will read your review on the podcast. It's that simple. Mikey, read us one of them five-star reviews. Riney00. Okay. Does a review entitled Super Funny! Exclamation point. Why, thank you. They say, I've been really enjoying this podcast. I have not seen a single movie they've reviewed so far. <laughs> <laughs> because they have all come out either before I was born. Aww. Oh, no. Now I feel so old. <laughs> or when I was a baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. But Paige, Todd, and Mikey managed to make it funny regardless. Oh, why, thank you. Thank you. I also, as a 21-year-old with little dating Get experience. out of here. 21? Have been finding it really interesting and helpful to hear about healthy and unhealthy relationships. <laughs> from people with more experience than me. I wonder who she's referring to about the unhealthy relationships. Highly recommended exclamation point. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Riney Double Zero, thank you so much uh, for that awesome five star review. Riney, I love your review, but please, please learn from my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> if you like listening to my voice on a million podcasts, you can find all those podcasts on my social media. I am at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagrams. I'm uh I'm at M well, I'm Mikey and also I'm at <laughs> Mikey. See, I always do this for Mikey. So he's not, I know. I, I don't know. <laughs> so if you want to follow myself or Mikey, Mikey is at M Randolph 24 everywhere. Thank you. And I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And if you mm-hmm. like this trio of co-hosts, you could also listen to our horror podcast, The Horror Virgin, where we do hilarious breakdowns of scary films and how much they scare the crap out of me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you want to follow us on social media for this show, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. I guess that's going to be it for us, guys. Right, Paige? <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to Romancing the Pod. You complete us to, to completion. completion. <laughs> <laughs> Laters, babies. Bye. Oh Bye. I pod. I pod hard. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should end every episode with Laters, baby. Now. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, so I like sorry. it. <laughs> Thank you.